Two weeks after Christian school children were murdered by a trans shooter, Democrats descend on Nashville to protest in favor of Democratic legislators. Budweiser's vice president explains why a trans woman is the new face of Bud Light. And the media unleash a fake controversy against Justice Clarence Thomas. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Protect your online privacy today at expressvpn.com slash Ben. Well, it wasn't all that long ago that a trans man, meaning a woman who believed that she was a man, went and murdered three Christian school children and three adults at a Christian school. The manifesto has yet to be released, presumably from all indicators will have something to do with not feeling accepted by the Christian community or the idea that the trans radical agenda is being threatened in some way. The notion this was completely non-ideological, in other words, seems incredibly far-fetched. Well, the Democratic President of the United States and Democratic legislators, they decided that the real issue here was guns and Republican racism. That was the real issue. The issue was not a trans man who is attempting to murder Christian school children and succeeding in that effort. The problem did not require any sort of broader conversation about the rhetoric of the trans activist movement, which suggests that opposition to the idea that a man can be a woman and a woman can be a man is actually a form of genocide requiring some sort of redress and in the most extreme cases, violent redress. Now, none of that was necessitated. In in fact, the Biden administration seemed relatively unconcerned about the whole thing. They struggled for a narrative. Their first narrative, of course, was we need gun control. That was their big narrative. We need gun control. And their other narrative, their other big narrative was trans people are the victims of evil republicanism. So in fact, the shooter may in fact have been a victim, not a perpetrator, not an evil piece of human debris. No, this person must have been in some way victimized. The level of sympathy for the parents, the level of sympathy for the families of the slain, that level just didn't exist from the very beginning in this particular shooting. That's why the president of the United States, when he came down and he gave a presser on this, he let off the presser by talking about how he had come down only because there was ice cream available in the freezer. It's also why that same day, the president of the United States was asked on camera whether this should be investigated as a hate crime and then was told that Josh Howley, the senator from Missouri, had suggested that it should be. And his response was, well, whatever Josh Howley says, I say the opposite. This is, this, is not a, this is not taking seriously the victims of the tragedy. And in fact, Joe Biden did not travel to Tennessee to meet with the victims or the victims' families. The, the victims' families, as far as I'm aware, were not invited to the White House. There was no major White House push in solidarity with victims because, frankly, it's possible the victims don't agree with Joe Biden on a lot of things. This, of course, happened at a Christian school outside of Nashville. Tennessee is a very red state. And so all of this just went by the wayside. The only thing that mattered was the political narrative. Well, now the Democrats have found the real victims in all this, the real victims. There were were two sets of victims. The the, the victims were trans activists. Trans activists were being victimized all over the country by evil Republican legislators. And now the new face of victimhood in Tennessee, again, not the slain, not the families of the slain, the new faces of victimhood are, wait for it, Democratic legislators who violated the law by breaking into the state Capitol building and then using bullhorns to shout from the rostrum. Those are the real victims here. So to just review for a moment, after this shooting happened, there was a big rally at the Tennessee state legislature in which a bunch of leftists stormed the Tennessee state legislature. And you can see here film of what that looked like when they did. It looks looks wonderful. People being pushed into police officers. The members of the state legislature had to be ushered into a restroom and they'd be locked into the restroom for safety purposes. This was part of the tape that that was not shown. Typically what got shown was people who were sort of milling around inside the Capitol Rotunda and and then inside the actual hall of the legislature, the state Capitol Hall. And and it was supposed to be peaceful and wonderful and no problem at all. Because again, the rule is when Republicans do it, when people who like Donald Trump do it, it's an insurrection that's on the verge of overthrowing democracy. When Democrats, gun control activists, trans activists do this in multiple state legislatures, that's just normal democracy at work. Okay, well, that particular rally culminated in certain Tennessee state legislators, two state Democrats, one named Justin Pearson, another named Justin Jones, and a third named Gloria Johnson, who were now in the state Capitol building. They were were in the actual hall where the legislating is done. They were in the legislature, and they're violating the rules. The two who violated the rules most severely were Justin Pearson and Justin Jones, both of whom happened to be black. The third was a representative named Gloria Johnson. Here is a little bit of the film of Justin Jones shouting through a bullhorn, violating the rules of protocol and procedure, and in fact, trespassing. Justin Jones, 
There he is with a bullhorn. And standing directly next to him, of course, is, uh, is Justin Pearson. He's shouting through a bullhorn, no justice, no peace, and he is holding up a sign. Now, the reason that, so, so the Republican legislature decided we cannot have this, and they expelled two of the three. Now, the reason for that is because this, uh, the, the third person apparently argued that she simply stood on the floor while the disruption was happening. She didn't bang on the desk or hold on to a sign as the expulsion resolution charges. So she actually made a legalistic defense as to why she should not be expelled. So she was not expelled. She said, listen, I didn't violate the rules as badly as the other, the other two did. So maybe you suspend me or whatever. The other two got expelled. This, of course, led to the media immediately declaring that because she is white and the other two are black, not because of differences in behavior, of course. It must be because of the race. It must be because the Tennessee state legislature is racist. And so last week, Tennessee's Republican-controlled House of Representatives voted to expel two of those three Democrats. That'd be State Rep. Justin Jones, who's 27, of Nashville. He was ousted 72-25 for inciting protesters to disrupt deliberations on the House floor. And then they spared Representative Gloria Johnson, who's a Democrat of Knoxville. She survived 65-30 after she said, I didn't actually violate the rules as badly as the other two. Then she, of course, tried to claim solidarity after getting herself off the hook. And then finally, the chamber voted 69-26 in favor of removing a 27-year-old representative named Justin Pearson. He is a Democrat of Memphis. We'll get to the Democratic response to all of this in just one second, because again, it is outsized, outrageous, absurd on its face, and demonstrates where the passion of the Democratic Party is, not with the victims of a shooting, but with the activist class inside of its own party. We'll get to that momentarily. First, fact of the matter is the economy is in real trouble right now. The inflation rates continue to be incredibly high. The economy is on sort of a razor's edge right now. Prices of essential goods are not coming down. You need to start looking at ways to cut costs. Well, one of the best ways you can cut costs, take a look at that cell phone bill. You're spending way too much money on that cell phone bill. Pure Talk savers the average family over $900 per year. You can get the same coverage you're used to at half the rate you are currently paying. Not only will you save money, you'll also get the satisfaction of knowing you are supporting a great American company because the CEO and chairman of Pure Talk is a U.S. military veteran. And when you become a Pure Talk customer, you're given the option to support America's warrior partnership, an organization that helps to prevent veteran suicides. So you're doing some good while you actually pay your cell phone bill. I am a customer of Pure Talk. They don't drop calls. Their 5G network is the same as one of the big guys. It is fast and consistent with a range of affordable plans to choose from. You can find the perfect option for your needs. Get unlimited talk text, plenty of data for just 30 bucks a month, no contract. Switch on over to Pure Talk in as little as 10 minutes. Keep your phone and your phone number. Their US-based customer service team makes the switch super simple. Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code Shapiro, save 50% off your very first month of coverage. That's puretalk.com, promo code Shapiro. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. Okay, so... The Democrats, of course, have decided to ramp this up. The, the, the real problem in Tennessee, again, was not a trans radical murdering Christian school children, which might implicate in some way the trans radical agenda. We can't have that conversation. We can have the conversation about evil right wing rhetoric when a nut shoots up a congresswoman, Gabby Giffords, in Arizona. We can link that to Sarah Palin and pretend this is all about evil right wing rhetoric. We can do that when there is a, a crazed supposed Trump supporter who is sending fake bombs to people. But we can't do that when it is a Bernie Sanders supporter shooting congressional baseball players. We, we can't do it when it is a trans person who is shooting up Christian school kids. We can't have any of those conversations. Nope, we focus in on the key conversation. So the key conversation is now switched over into the democratic narrative, which is this is just the civil rights movement all over again. The reason that Justin Pearson and Justin Jones were expelled is not because they violated the rules and the laws, they weren't expelled because they did the same thing that, by the way, no legislators did on the Republican side of the aisle on January 6th. There were no legislators on January 6th who actually went outside and urged the protesters to break into the Capitol building and then went into the actual Capitol building itself, into the actual hall, and then started yelling at the, at the protesters who'd broken into the room on a bullhorn. No one did that on January 6th. The entire Republican Party was blamed by the media nonetheless and still is blamed by the entire Democratic media. But when Democratic legislators do that and then get expelled because they broke the rules, which is the way that typically this works, then apparently the real issue is, of course, Republican racist tyranny. So here was Gloria Johnson claiming we have to stop. This is about fascism. We have to stop fascism. Our constituents from the gallery or remove the press. And we were able to keep everybody there. And it's so critical when these kinds of things are happening in this state. We are marching into fascism with a supermajority that has proven that absolute power corrupts absolutely. 
Okay, this person is not even articulate enough to cite Lord Acton properly. So well done there. Uh, apparently it's fascism when the other side just has a supermajority, which will come as a shock to the entire California legislature, which has a Democratic supermajority and has for quite a while. Meanwhile, State Representative Justin Pearson doing his uh, best Malcolm X imitation because it's pretty obvious that that is, that is what he's doing. I mean, he's actually imitating the mannerisms of Malcolm X, for better or for worse. Here he was screaming about gun legislation. The National Rifle Association and all of these gun lobbyists continue to be able to have control over our legislation. What's going through my mind right now is we need to fight for democracy in the state of Tennessee, and we need people not only just to vote, but people to show up and speak out so that we can end the gun violence epidemic that's happening in our state. This is wrong, this is unjust, and this is not the way that it has to be. There is a better way for us to live, and we don't have to live this way. But the Republican Party of the state of Tennessee want to keep things the same. If you want to fight to change it, if you want to help to make this place a better place, you have to use your voice, you have to use your power, and yes, sometimes you've got to get expelled. Cosplaying the revolution as always, because again, no revolution is necessary. Nothing's actually happening in the state of Tennessee. When I say nothing is happening, I mean that the laws are not being radically changed. I mean that the proposals that have been brought forth by Democrats do not stop school shootings, obviously, which is why you've had multiple of them in California, why you have shootings every single weekend in Chicago. But none of that matters. Again, these are the new victims, the new victim class, politicians who make their money by by going out and ranting and raving and not actually doing anything useful. Then State Representative Justin Pearson also went on Meet the Press because now this is the, you get the you get the full media tour. This is the beautiful thing about being a politician who doesn't actually politic, who doesn't actually make deals, doesn't actually attempt to do anything effective. The, the most important thing is that you get to go on Meet the Press and you get to yell on TV and it's really, really exciting. So this was former State Representative Justin Jones, one of the ones who was expelled, plus Justin Pearson talking about how the voters have been disenfranchised in their districts. Now, here's the thing. They haven't been because now there's a, a the way that this works is if you are expelled, then the local board actually picks who's the person who fills that seat. They're very likely to just reappoint those same people. And if they don't, somebody else will represent that particular area. But here is uh, here are, here are two heroes of the day on Meet the Press. And so what we saw was a system of political hubris. That, um, this was not just an attack on us, but it was an attempt to silence our districts, uh, predominantly black and brown districts who don't longer have representation. 78,000 people mm -hmm. in each of our districts do not have a voice, do not have someone to deal with their constituent relations, are silenced. And that's what this is about. It's about the people whose voices have been taken on Capitol Hill. Wait, you, you've been just elected to the state house. Did yeah. you ever feel welcome or did you feel unwelcome when you got there? You know, it has always been a toxic work environment to work in the Tennessee State Capitol. When you have people who make comments about hanging you on a tree and hanging black people on a tree as a form of capital punishment. When you wear a dashiki on the House floor and a member gets up and they talk about your dashiki saying it's unprofessional. They're really sending signals that you don't belong here. Okay, that, that is... I'm sorry, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. You know, what People are making comments about, about hanging people on trees. Really? Who, who are these people? Who are these people? I'd like to know, because that person, I assume, would have to be expelled. If a person said to a black person, perhaps we should hang people on trees, like the days of lynching, and that would be a great, wonderful thing. I assume that that would be, like, a bad thing. Okay, so it... But, again, it's about the feelings of these people. The, the, the feelings of these people is the thing that matters most. Presumably, here, he is talking about a debate in Tennessee in which a representative named Paul Sherrill says, I was wondering, he was talking about execution of criminals. He said, execution of criminals. I was wondering if we could put an amendment that, on them that would include hanging by a tree. Well, that would be like for people who deserve the death penalty. He is not talking about like randomly hanging black people on trees. Not a great comment, but certainly not the kind of thing that is being implied there by, uh, by Pearson. Now, this has turned into a national issue. The reason it's turned into a national issue is because Democrats need their national issue. Their national issues are save the, the radical trans agenda and also everybody who is a Republican is a deep and abiding racist, even if what they are doing here is merely expelling people who obviously violated the rules of the Tennessee State House. Get to that momentarily first. With everything going on in the world right now, it's hard to get a good night's sleep. This is why you need the world's best mattress, a mattress made just for you. And that is why you need to check out Helix Mattress. Helix is a premium mattress brand that provides tailored mattresses based on your unique sleep preferences. The Helix lineup includes 14 unique mattresses, including a collection of luxury models, a mattress for big and tall sleepers. I have a Helix Sleep mattress. It is firm but breathable because that is exactly what I need. Go to helixsleep.com slash Ben. You should take their two-minute sleep quiz and they'll make a perfect mattress for you, for your body and your sleep type. Your mattress comes directly to your door, shipped for free. 
free. Plus, Helix has a 10-year warranty. You get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it, but you will. Helix has over 12,000 five-star reviews. Their financing options, flexible payment plans make it so a great night's sleep is never far away. For a limited time, Helix is offering up to 20% off all mattress orders, plus two free pillows for our listeners. This is their best offer yet. Hurry on over to helixsleep.com slash Ben. That's helixsleep.com. Dot com slash Ben. I enjoy my Helix Sleep mattress. My wife enjoys the Helix Sleep mattress as well. It was personalized just for us. Do the same thing for yourself. Head on over to helixsleep.com slash Ben with Helix. Better sleep starts now. We'll get to more on this in just one moment. First, when we say something is free, it should mean, you know, free, like no strings attached, no hidden costs, no fine print to decipher. When you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks monthly for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. Pure Talk saves the average family almost a thousand bucks a year. Plus, with Pure Talk, you know you're spending your hard-earned money with a company that aligns with your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make that switch today. Head on over to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro. Switch on over to my cell phone company. I've been using Pure Talk myself for several years at this point. I can tell you the coverage is excellent. Go check them out right now. PureTalk.com slash Shapiro. Okay, so this turned into a national issue because Democrats are looking for some way to swivel this Tennessee shooting into a win for them, which is really a sick kind of thing to try to swivel a shooting into a political win for your side without any reference to the victims whatsoever or the ideology that drove the shooter whatsoever. As we'll talk about a little later on in the show, you see the same thing in the Middle East. This sort of stuff happens all the time from the left-wing press. Joe Biden decided that he was going to get involved, and Joe Biden tweeted out. He tweeted, quote, three kids and three officials gunned down in yet another mass shooting. And what are GOP officials focused on? Punishing lawmakers who joined thousands of peaceful protesters calling for action. It's shocking, undemocratic, and without precedent. What demagoguery? What demagoguery? What have you focused on, dude? You haven't focused again on any of the underlying ideological considerations. You haven't focused on anything that would actually stop mass shootings. You've explicitly attempted to prevent bills from going forward that would provide the sort of school security necessary to stop school shootings because that's been a Republican proposal, not a Democratic proposal. But you, you haven't, the amount of sympathy you've shown for the families is close to nil as is humanly possible. And yet you're talking about the GOP legislature. Why are they focused on expelling these members? Well, I mean, first of all, they can walk and they can chew gum at the same time. The Tennessee state legislature has actually brought forth legislation to provide additional security at schools. We've covered it on the show, but that's not the kind of legislation you want. So it's all about the racism, supposedly. And this provided a magical moment for Kamala Harris. Yes, they've unleashed the vice president of the United States. She is so wonderful. She's amazing at this. And we know she's amazing at this because she's a black woman. It doesn't matter that she's actually quite terrible at this. She's ama- she got active. So Kamala Harris has been completely AWOL on the border for literally years at a time. Asked on national television, you're going to go visit the border? She's like, I already visited the border. Lester Holt's like, well, did you? She's like, no. And then she was supposed to fix, as you recall, the crisis in the, with regard to Ukraine. Nothing there. She, crisis on the border, nothing there. She's supposed to fix climate change, nothing. She, she's she's the most, one of the more useless people in American public life, a person who has consistently failed upward in her career and peculiarly inactive, Kamala Harris. She just kind of randomly goes to to various events and then jabbers about Venn diagrams. But she got super active on this one. Why? Because now she can claim the mantle of civil rights leader. The mantle does not fit her particularly well. So according to Politico, here's the backstory. Friday morning, just after 7 a.m., VP Kamala Harris told her chief of staff, Lorraine Bowles, she wanted to go to Tennessee and show her support for the two legislators who were expelled from the statehouse the previous evening for mounting a demonstration in favor of gun control from the chamber floor. Now, um, I, I noticed that Kamala Harris did not insist on doing that after the shooting. That's the thing I noticed is that a bunch of people got murdered, including three kids. And she had, they sent Jill. They sent Dr. Jill to Tennessee. Yeah, Kamala Harris could not be bothered. She was busy playing solitaire in her office. She had more important things to do. But expel a couple of members for breaking into the state house and then violating all the rules and shouting from the Capitol floor. And, uh, and then she will be there, boom, in a flash. Not politically cynical at all by Kamala Harris. This is just a matter of principle for her. According to Politico, the idea wasn't exactly a surprise. The VP had been checking in with senior staff as the situation heated up and asked them to keep her updated. What was a surprise was the turnaround. Harris wanted to go that afternoon. Oh, the heroism. Oh, the insane heroism to to go that exact same day to one of the safest places in America, like an American city with full Secret Service protection. Wow, it's like she's rappelling into Pakistan to shoot Osama bin Laden or something. 
Wow, I can't believe, the same day even? It's not like you could, I mean, you could. You could literally just buy a ticket to Nashville today. You could. But apparently it's like super giant heroism. Trips for the VP, according to Politico, have complex logistical and security concerns. They typically take days, if not weeks, to pull off. Harris was giving her staff hours, and man, they snapped into service. Ooh, that's how much passion she has for not the victims. For not the victims. She has that passion for two state legislators who are on All In with with Chris Hayes and on Meet the Press. Really being victimized. Like, really, really being victimized. According to Politico, if you think the speed in which the vote was taken to expel them, Harris felt sending a signal that we have their backs quickly was just as important, said a senior aide. I don't think there could have been a stronger signal than to immediately uh, immediately go. Harris's decision set off a flurry of activity at the White House, where many staffers were looking forward to a relatively quiet Good Friday ahead of Easter weekend and hoping to work from home. But what was she going to do? Well, she decided that she was going to give a speech. No, no. That's a shocker, by the way. I thought that she was going to go there and she was going to perform magic, magic tricks or do like a ribbon dance or something. But no, she came up with a very creative idea to do a speech. Around 11 a.m., Harris's staff came to her with an outline of a potential speech filled with grand ideas about democracy and the rule of law. Harris listened, but opted for something different and dictated what she wanted to say. She's very much like, quote, make it plain. We need to explain to people very clearly what's happened here and not in necessarily lofty terms, but in ways they can understand. Ugh, the unparalleled genius of our vice president. You mean you're not going to speak in Swahili? You're going to speak in a way that people can understand, not in lofty terms, but in human language that people can understand? Ugh, the creativity. So impressive. So impressive. We'll get to Kamala Harris's astonishing command of the language of the people in just one moment. First, if you own a business the last few years, then they kind of suck. When you had COVID, they probably shut down your business. If they didn't shut down your business, you barely survived. Then you got Biden inflation. Now you're going to get a recession. It's all been great. Well, you could probably use a break. Innovation refunds can help you out. Innovation refunds knows the value of your time, which is why they made it easy to apply for the Employee Retention Credit, or ERC. Go to GetRefunds.com, get started in less than eight minutes, see if your business qualifies for ERC assistance. The ERC is a payroll tax refund from the United States Treasury Department, applicable to businesses who kept employees on payroll during the pandemic. You could receive up to $26,000 per employee. Innovation Refunds has already helped clients claim over $3 billion in payroll tax refunds through the ERC. They might be able to help your business too. No upfront charge. They're not going to get paid until your business gets its refund. Don't miss the opportunity because the payroll tax refund only available for a limited time. So head on over to GetRefunds.com. That's GetRefunds.com. Again, this is for businesses that basically overpaid their taxes. Well, now that tax refund is available to you through our friends over at GetRefunds.com. Head on over to GetRefunds.com and see if you can get that payroll tax refund. It's only available right now. Go to GetRefunds.com. All right, so the unparalleled genius of Kamala Harris, she sees two black legislators get expelled from the state legislature for the crime of actually violating the law. And rule of law, they love rule of law, as we will see, they love rule of law, right? This is why Donald Trump has to be indicted. Democrats, there's nothing they love better than rule of law. It is their favorite thing, except when they are actively incentivizing violations of the rule of law. Well, apparently she went and she, she said, we're going to make it plain, guys. We're going to do speeches. But, says Politico, there were questions of where she would make the speech and to whom. Fortunately for the White House, they had someone they trust in Nashville, former Biden comms advisor, T.J. Ducklow, who is the chief comms officer and senior advisor to the national mayor, John Cooper. They quickly secured a venue at Fisk University and built out a crowd of roughly 700 at the historically black college and university. Apparently, this is so funny. Here's Politico's take. So, I pointed out here that Kamala Harris did not come to Nashville to meet with the families, right? Here's how Politico tries to defend her on that. Although some conservative commentators have criticized Harris for not meeting with the families affected by last month's shooting at Nashville Covenant School, a White House aide tells Playbook the families were invited and that they offered blessings but ultimately couldn't make it. Maybe because she didn't come to actually meet with the families. Maybe because she came to defend the state legislators, not the actual dead people. Maybe that. By the way, offered blessings from the families is the is the equivalent of bless your heart, which is like the most dismissive thing that Southern people can say. It's, it's, it's when someone says something unbelievably stupid or insulting and people are like, ah, oh, bless your heart. That, 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 is, that is the way you dismiss people. But according to Politico, it was, it was amazing. That afternoon, Harris's 20-minute speech went off without a hitch. I don't know what hitch was expected exactly. Was she going to like keel over in the middle of the speech? A third Harris aide says, quote, the opportunity of having someone come from the White House to speak to the issues, the sort of sense of people feeling seen by the highest level of government, I'm so sick of this feeling seen garbage. Ugh, they feel seen. What if they don't feel seen? They die? Like, well, what happens if you don't feel seen? Because I can think of people who actually died who don't feel particularly seen right now. But again, the priorities are, are perfectly obvious. So here is Kamala Harris doing her fight against Jim Crow. By the way, the fight against Jim Crow involves apparently going to a state in which there are a bevy of black legislators and talking about how everyone is racist. A democracy says you don't silence the 
the people. Okay. You do not stifle the people. You don't turn off their microphones when they are speaking about the leaders had to get a bullhorn. They had to get a bullhorn to be heard. And then guess what? Because you know what? Can't have those voices in that room challenging notions about who should say what and when and where. Let's expel them. Okay, so the, this is a vice president of the United States actively inciting violation of law and violation of breach of, of all rules on, on the floor of the Tennessee state legislator. Later. Now, this is, of course, not the first time that Kamala Harris has incentivized lawbreaking. She, of course, tried to bail out actual rioters during the Black Lives Matter riots of 2020. But it just shows you these are people who respect the law. They respect the law up until the point when the law actually applies to them, at which point they really, really don't like the law at all. And their priorities are perfectly clear. Look, this is just a cynical play. Does she actually care about this? Of course not. Of course not. She wants her, her moment in the sun. And she is a black woman who's going to speak about racism in the South. And she's going to go there and she's going to wave her arms as though she's an inflatable thingy over at the, at the local car wash. And it's going to be so exciting. It's going to be not fake at all. Not as fake as AstroTurf. It's not going to be artificial. It's not going to be, I can't believe it's not butter. It's going to be actual butter. It's going to be amazing except for it is absolutely fake and she is terrible at her job and everyone can see it. But they have, to, they have to come up with some narrative. It's all about narrative for the left. It is not about the fact pattern and victims don't matter for bleep. They do not matter whatsoever. And by the way, the, the one conversation that must be avoided at all costs, of course, is of course the trans conversation. Never forget, this was a shooting by a trans person of Christian school children. I know this is difficult for people on the left to either accept or comprehend. It is a thing that happened. And when you pretend it did not happen, when you make the when you, the vice president has no nothing to say to the families for weeks on end, but then she descends to scream and shout at a historically black college and university about racism in Tennessee for expelling a bunch of people cosplaying as civil rights leaders. Well, the, their priorities are absolutely clear. Well, speaking of the priorities being absolutely clear, the, the Democratic Party continues along its march to promote the radical trans agenda. According to the Washington Post, the Biden administration has now put forward new regulations on transgender athletes in schools. These new regulations disallow blanket bans on, on transgender athletes that have been approved across the country. So supposedly, the Biden administration believes that it can just unilaterally, through the power of the executive branch, ban states from passing laws that say that men should not compete in women's sports. According to the Washington Post, the Biden administration on Thursday proposed new regulations that would allow schools to bar transgender athletes from participating in competitive high school and college sports, but disallow blanket bans on the athletes that have been approved across the country. So that is Joe Biden actually winking and nodding at the fact that this program is really, really unpopular. So he's saying like, okay, maybe you can ban like a man from boxing women in college athletics, but we're going to go up against the evil Ron DeSantis's and Bill Lee's across the country. The rules would narrow when discrimination of trans athletes would be permitted but they would also offer guidelines for when schools could bar their participation. Under the proposal, schools would need to consider a range of factors before imposing a ban on trans athletes and would need to justify it based on educational grounds, such as the need for fairness. So, for instance, a school district could justify a ban on trans athletes on their competitive high school track and field team, whereas a district would have a harder time making that case for an intramural middle school kickball squad. Well, I mean, I have a question. Why? Really, why? I mean, a lot of the sports that you're talking about, presumably, in, like, you know, a a boy kicking a ball in high school kicks a ball a lot harder than a girl. You may have noticed that, whether it's intramural or non-intramural. But it doesn't matter. You know, Joe Biden, what, what's funny about this particular proposal is Joe Biden is trying to split the baby and everybody's mad. So the trans community is like, no, we need men punching women in the boxing ring. And the and the people who you know are sane and believe that men and men are women and women, we're, we're saying like, well, I don't understand why you guys get to put any rules on this whatsoever. The proposed Biden administration rules would require that schools wishing to limit trans athletes' participation show the decision relates to an important educational objective and minimizes harm to others. It must also consider the sport involved, the age of the students, the level of competitiveness. So Joe Biden jumping in on defense of this. Meanwhile, you know one place where it actually matters whether somebody is a man or a woman? Like in the military. Unpopular position, but it turns out that men carry heavy things and, um, and perform feats of different physical prowess than women. But the good news is that we have really reshaped how we've done our military, which is why Politico reports, who's their top headline yesterday, the DOD's highest ranking trans official is now saying that we cannot ostracize anyone because that's what the military is all about, guys. 
The military is about where you feel accepted. I know, you, you thought that that was just your therapist's office. Wrong. It's the United States military that has to face down China and Russia. That's where we have to have feelings of acceptance. That's the key. Sean Skelly was a naval commander working to help fend off roadside bomb attacks when she came to a realization about herself, says Politico, one that meant her career in the military was over. It was 2006. Don't ask, don't tell was still in effect. As long as they kept their sexual identities under wraps, you could do what you wanted to do. Skelly had identified as a man up until that point. Now she felt she could no longer do so and decided to retire from military service as soon as possible. Well, now she's back at the Pentagon, this time as a civilian. An assistant, Secretary of Defense for Readiness, Skelly oversees military preparedness for war fighting, including training programs, equipment safety, and munition supplies. And Skelly has a message for Republicans accusing the DOD of promoting diversity and inclusion in the armed forces at the expense of military readiness. Their campaign is what's hurting the military's warfighting capabilities. Yes, we, the, the dearth of people being recruited to the military is because we are not warm enough to trans soldiers. We need more male soldiers being able to cut off their balls at taxpayer expense in order to make ourselves more militarily ready. That is the most important thing we can do. Acceptance, diversity. If we paint it on the bombs that we drop over Afghanistan, it makes the bombs okay. That's how this works. Skelly said, if you want to be ready, you have to ensure that everybody that is in your force can be their best selves and contribute as a member of the team and be seen as valuable. Is that really what you do when you build a military team? You, you make sure that everybody feels real good about themselves inside? Because um, literally every military person I've ever talked to says that's nonsense. Literally all of them. That is the opposite of what you do in the military. <laughs> in the military, they literally break you down as a human being, and then they build you back up as part of a unit. The idea that individualism is the source of military prowess is one of the stupidest things I have ever heard. But it does not matter, because Skelly has now been appointed as the DOD's highest-ranking openly trans official. The second to hold an office that requires Senate confirmation, the first is, of course, our admiral, our very because he knows how to pilot a boatman, Rachel Levine, over at Health and Human Services, one of the great admirals of all time. It, it, it is amazing. I mean, I, I've never seen an admiral quite as incredible as, as Rachel Levine. It basically goes Horatio Nelson, Lord, Mountba uh, Lord Mountbatten, Rachel Levine. Uh, uh, like, um, amazing, amazing stuff there. Well, this administration has its priorities all in order. And the good news is that they are backed by the entire elite, in our institutional life. We'll get to that in just one moment. First, it's very difficult to get the amount of fruits and vegetables you need in a healthy diet. It just is. The American Heart Association recommends four to five servings each of fruits and vegetables every single day. That is a lot of fruits and vegetables. And here's the thing. Fruits taste pretty good. Vegetables taste like garbage. I'm very anti-vegetable. And this is one of the reasons I rely upon balance of nature. Balance of nature, fruits and veggies are a great way to make sure you're getting essential nutritional ingredients every single day. Their capsules are packed with 100% whole food that you can take at any time. Balance of nature uses a cold vacuum process that preserves the natural phytonutrients in 16 whole fruits and 15 whole vegetables and encapsulates them for easy consumption. Fruits and veggies are loaded with vitamins, minerals, fiber, antioxidants that are essential for optimal health. They can help boost your immune system, improve digestion, reduce inflammation, lower the risk of chronic diseases like heart disease, diabetes, and cancer. Balance of Nature has actually sent a bunch of products over to our studios. They are kosher, so I've been able to use them. I'm feeling better because of it. Head on over to balanceofnature.com. Use promo code Shapiro for 35% off your first order as a preferred customer. That's balanceofnature.com. Promo code Shapiro. Get 35% off your first preferred order. Also, we are coming up on almost one year since the release of my friend Matt Walsh's groundbreaking documentary, What is a Woman? The most important documentary of the last decade. It exposed radical gender ideology for what it is. You would think this would be ample enough time for people to come up with an answer to that question. Well, that's not true. Matt discovered at the Young America Foundation Q&A in New Mexico last week that the answers to that question are still just insane. I'm sure you've seen the clip going viral from after Matt's speech when a self-identified trans woman, biological dude, attempted to answer a very predictable question, like the most predictable question in the world coming from Matt Walsh. What is a woman? The person responded, quote, a woman is somebody who is included and respected and seen and participates in society recognized by other women. Uh, that's not a definition of, of anything. That's literally a definition of nothing. If you haven't yet seen what is a woman, or if you're on the left and still somehow find yourself confused at basic biology, I have some good news. You can now get 30% off your Daily Wire Plus membership when you use code WOMAN. If you've already seen the film, you understand how important it is. If you haven't or know somebody who hasn't seen it, tell them to watch it. Buy them a gift subscription because it's important people watch this film. It is the center of the cultural debate right now. We need to start recruiting more people back to, you know, not craziness. To watch What is a Woman, join now at dailywire.com slash subscribe. Use code WOMAN to save 30% off your membership. Well, the entire cadre of cultural arbiters have decided that, again, they, they agree with the dual narratives that the 
Biden administration has been pushing out after the murder of Christian school children by a trans man. And uh, that narrative is that trans people are the real victims of all of this because trans people are not only the real victims, they're the most important people in society, which is why apparently if you are speaking in defense of trans radical ideology, you can assault women. Riley Gaines is a college swimming champion who spoke at San Francisco State University. And San Francisco State University students decided to assault Riley Gaines. Here's some of the video. Here's what it looked like. Riley Gaines had to be ushered out by police officers from this building as people tried to attack her. Do you see the kind, gentle, accepting, diverse? This is, this is diversity, equity, and inclusion in action right here. Uh, amazing how DEI is very close to DIE. Uh, really, really amazing stuff happening right here. Look at, the, look at these kind, tolerant. They're wearing their masks, though. I still see some of them wearing their COVID masks. That's the really important thing is they attempt to assault a woman. Screaming like crazy people. Gaines was forced to barricade herself inside a room for around three hours at the San Francisco State University campus on Thursday after a group of activists ambushed her, according to the UK Daily Mail. She was giving a speech to students about competing against Leah Thomas, a transgender woman, meaning a dude with uh, twig and berries at the Women's NCAA Swimming Championships last year. It's unclear what set off the fracas, but apparently students are loudly drawing out Gaines' speech about competing against biological males in women's sports. Well, the good news is that the university is all behind the crazy students. Jamila Moore, the vice president for student affairs and enrollment management, claims the school is proud of the students who participated peacefully and made it clear that the trans community is welcome at the school. Gaines responded angrily, writing, quote, I'm sorry, did this just say peaceful? I was assaulted. I was extorted and held for ransom. The protesters demanded I pay them if I wanted to make it home safely. She said, I have no problem with peaceful protests. I welcome it. I was grateful to see a diverse crowd in the room during my speech. I expressed that multiple times. They had a great dialogue and listened to each other. That ambush was the opposite of peaceful. But again, that doesn't really matter. Apparently, Gaines' husband, Lewis Barker, said that, that Gaines has said that she was hit multiple times by a dude in a dress. But it, that, that's all fine, guys. It's all fine. This is peaceful and wonderful because here are the rules. You can violate any rule you want so long as you are a Democrat. That's the way this works. And not only that, you will be subsidized and you will be sponsored if you buy into the radical agenda and if you are a member of the radical hierarchy of the agenda. So as I've said, the trans man who shot up a Christian school, the narrative had to be in some way, and we'll see when the manifesto inevitably comes out eventually, we'll see that the narrative of quote unquote trans genocide, that, that it is a genocide against people. When you say, no, you are actually a member of your own biological sex, just spoiler alert, not a genocide. And when you say that often enough, a crazed fringe of people may go and commit acts of violence. So is it good that we have people who are subsidized by America's biggest corporations saying just that? Here's Dylan Mulvaney, a, a man who pretends that he is a woman, cosplays as a little girl for money, from January, suggesting that if young people don't have face-altering surgery, they might die. That actually it is a life, it is a life-saving procedure, like a heart transplant or something, to shave down your jaw so you appear somewhat more feminine, although apparently you still have to shave a couple times a day to avoid the five o'clock shadow. You know I have a flair for the dramatics. But it's so good, right? I'm so happy. And it's still me. It's just a little bit softer of a version. And I just hope that all trans and non-binary people can get the gender-affirming resources that they need because this is life-changing and sometimes life-saving. Oh, crazy eyes. And uh, and then Dylan Mulvaney and Jeffrey March, you know, together. So this is a, a, a quote-unquote trans woman and a quote-unquote non-binary person, meaning two white men discussing what it's like to be a woman, which makes perfect sense. They want to seem perfect. They want to make sense to cis people. Mm. Because sometimes when cis people are confused, they can be violent. Very much so. Oh. And so we all feel like, well, I got to make sense. It's got to be in a row. It's got to be a narrative. It's got to have beginning, middle, and end. It's got to whatever. I can't set the movement back. Did you ever feel that way? Oh my gosh, I, I felt like I've set the movement back many a time. I was actually non-binary before this experience of being a trans woman. And I felt guilty for then transitioning to... to From they, them, to... To she, she they. Yeah. yeah, I felt like I was taking power away from being non-binary and that it really is a, a gender identity that exists. Did you ever stop to consider that you showed something beautiful? You know who stopped to consider? This person showed something beautiful. Nike. So, ladies out there who wear Nike gear, 
when you uh, put on that Nike gear, is this what you look, feel, and act like? Is this, um, yeah, man. Here we go. This is this is sponsored athlete, Dylan Mulvaney. That is exactly what Dylan Mulvaney acted like when he was just a gay dude. Like, literally, we have tape from him on Ellen doing exactly the same kind of stuff as a gay dude. There's a video of him pretending to be a cheerleader when he was just a gay dude doing exactly the same kind of stuff. It's just like... Th- this is what women are looking for. Are ladies, are you looking for um are, are you looking for this um this kind of sports bra to be worn this way? Is that what you are looking for, ladies? Because I, I what's the crowd here? Who are the people who are like, "Ah, oh, Dylan Mulvaney endorsed it. I'm in. I'm all in." Well, as you'll recall, Nike women is like that that's a that's an absurd one. Dylan Mulvaney doesn't just have sponsorships from Nike women. Dylan Mulvaney has a sponsorship from Tampax. I'm not kidding, which I don't even know where Dylan Mulvaney would put the tampon. Because that person does not, number one, no period. Number two, no vagina. So there are only a certain number of bodily orifices in which Dylan Mulvaney can put a tampon. None of them are the one where ladies put the tampon. So there's that. But has a sponsorship deal nonetheless. And then it was Bud Light. Because when you think Bud Light, you know, a cheap crappy beer for poor white people, then what you probably are thinking is we need a trans woman who was once in Book of Mormon as a gay man to be the face of that. That's what Bud Light, so... For all of us who are sort of puzzled about the marketing strategy on that, the good news is that we now have an answer on the marketing strategy. The vice president of Bud Light is a person named Alyssa Heinerscheid. And she was asked about this. And she has an answer as to how the marketing strategy at Bud Light has changed. I had a really clear job to do when I took over Bud Light. And it was, this brand is in decline. It's been in decline for a really long time. And if we do not attract young drinkers to come and drink this brand, there will be no future for Bud Light. So I had this super clear mandate. It's like, we Mm -hmm. need to evolve and elevate this incredibly iconic brand. And my, what I brought to that was a belief in, okay, what is, what what does evolve and elevate mean? It means inclusivity. It means shifting the tone. It means having a campaign that's truly inclusive and feels lighter and brighter and different and appeals to women and to men. Okay, so um, in 1941, there was a, a thinker, a conservative thinker named James Burnham, and he wrote, a, uh, he wrote a book called The Managerial Revolution. His basic idea was that institutions, businesses, they get taken over by a quote-unquote managerial elite. These are people who are utterly disconnected from the market. They are utterly disconnected from the actual stockholders of the corporation. They are a self-supporting bureaucracy whose main idea is keep yourself in business. And the way you keep yourself in business is by promoting bizarrely insular ideas that are mirrored by the rest of the managerial elite. That's what you're watching right there. This is a person who went to Harvard and Wharton, I believe, is the story with this, uh, this Alyssa Heinerscheid, trying to market a cheap beer to poor people. And, and her take is, what we need is trans people marketing beer. You, th- this is not a smart person. This is a stupid person. This is a stupid idea. The way that you market a beer to poor people is not by, you know, slapping them in the face about their own lifestyles and values. But apparently it is, because this is the thing. Our corporate bosses have decided that they need to change the audience. The audience is bad. The market is bad. It's made up of bad people with bad principles. And so it is their job to teach and educate the audience. And then they can sell to the audience that they themselves have educated and changed. Uh, It's really insulting. And everybody who feels insulted by Nike and Bud Light for doing this sort of stuff should take their business elsewhere. We'll get to more in just one second. First, let's talk about a new movie. It is opening April 14th. It's called Nefarious. It looks and sounds like another forgettable horror film, but this one is different. Why? Well, Nefarious was made by the same Christian filmmakers who made God's Not Dead and Unplanned. It's not actually a horror film. It's an intelligent, suspenseful, supernatural thriller about a serial killer who claims he's a demon. A psychiatrist is called in to see if the person has gone crazy or is faking insanity to avoid death row. The psychiatrist is your standard Ivy League guy, doesn't actually believe in demons or in God or in any such nonsense, but he doesn't quite realize what he's up against. The film is surprising. It is thought-provoking. It's something that you definitely want to see. Nefarious opens nationwide starting on April 14th. Go to whoisnefarious.com. Buy your tickets today. Again, that's whoisnefarious.com for tickets. One of the things that we lament a lot in this country is the fact that our entertainment choices are decidedly anti-religious, that they take a particularly secular humanist worldview. Nefarious is something different, which is one of the reasons, again, patronize art that doesn't patronize you. Check out Nefarious. Go to whoisnefarious.com. Buy your tickets today. All righty. So meanwhile, remember the Democrats who, who they, they keep saying they, they, 
love, they, they love to, to make sure that the law is enforced. It's really important that the law is enforced, which is why they are now attempting to say that they don't have to obey the law with regard to, for example, a judicial decision that has illegally, that has ruled that the FDA illegally approved the abortion drug, mifepristone. So that particular, that particular drug was approved going back to like the 1980s, 1990s. And a judge in Texas halted the FDA's approval of that drug. In a 67-page opinion, according to CBS News, U.S. District Judge Matthew Kaczmarek said the FDA's two-decade-old approval violated a federal rule that allows for accelerated approval for certain drugs and along with subsequent actions by the agencies was unlawful. And he's, he, he basically said this did not go through the normal process for approval of drugs. It was put under emergency approval for no apparent reason. In a statement late Friday night condemning the ruling, Biden said, the, quote in this, the court in this case has substituted its judgment for the FDA, the expert agency that approves drugs. Well, I mean, no, what they're saying is the FDA did not actually go through their own process. If this ruling were to stand, there will be virtually no prescription approved by the FDA that would be safe from these kinds of political ideological attacks. No, that's not correct. If this ruling stood, it would say the FDA has to go through its normal process for normal drugs. So what exactly is the gripe with regard to this chemical abortion pill? According to the Washington Examiner's Julie Marie Blake, the FDA approved chemical abortion drugs in 2000. It's not the 1980s, 2000. Without following proper protocols under political pressure from the Clinton administration, chemical abortions have a complication rate four times that of surgical abortion, which is concerning because about half of all abortions in the United States are chemical. Robust, reliable studies conducted in other countries about chemical abortion drugs show 20% of women who have a chemical abortion require at least some level of medical attention afterward. While the Alliance Defending Freedom represented emergency room doctors, and they brought a lawsuit against the FDA's irresponsible actions. The FDA never had the authority or the science to approve chemical abortion drugs. It's time for a court to order the FDA to put aside politics, follow the science, and reapprove the drug if they want to actually do that. The FDA didn't rely on any studies that look at the real-world safety of the drugs in their labeled use. The FDA also claimed that the pregnancy was an illness and that the chemical abortion drugs offered a meaningful therapeutic benefit. Well, pregnancy, of course, is not actually an illness. Okay, in any case, it's a judicial ruling. The judicial ruling, he left open, the, the judge did, an appeal to the Fifth Circuit. Of course, that immediately happened, but that didn't matter. You immediately had members of the Democratic Party saying, we don't have to ob obey the law. So here, again, the rules only apply to one side, according to the left. The rules don't apply to everybody. I'm a believer that when the court rules on a thing, the court has ruled on the thing. The left believes that when a court rules on a thing, it sort of depends on which court we are talking about. So here was... Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, the irrepressibly stupid, suggesting that the Biden administration should just ignore that abortion pill ruling. There has been thought, I believe, given to this. Senator Ron Wyden has already issued statements, uh, for example, advising what we should do in a situation like this, which I concur, which is that I believe that the Biden administration should ignore uh, this ruling. I think that we, you know, the courts have the legitimacy and they rely on the legitimacy of their rulings. And what they are currently doing is engaged in an unprecedented and dramatic erosion of the legitimacy of the courts. They, it, it is the justices themselves, through the deeply partisan and unfounded nature of these rulings, that are undermining their own enforcement. Oh, that it's not you saying that we should overtly ignore judicial rulings undermining the court. It's the courts undermining the legitimacy of the courts by not ruling how you want them to. So it's a, it's a complete catch-22. If they rule how you want them to, then they're good and they're actually upholding the legitimacy of the courts. If they do not rule how you want them to, they've undermined the legitimacy of the court and therefore you're allowed to say that you can avoid their rulings. It's like amazing. It seems like the only option available to them is to just listen to you and do what you want. It, it doesn't sound like there's a third way where they rule in a way you don't like and you're like, oh, well, I guess I respect the court and I'll just go along with that which is the demonstration of a person who is all about power and not actually about principle. It's not just AOC, by the way. AOC is ridiculous. But Joe Biden's HHS chief, Xavier Becerra, who had the great experience in HHS of being like the attorney general of the state of California. They just sort of plucked the guy out of obscurity. Well, uh, he is now refusing to rule out, ignoring the court entirely on Mifepristone. The FDA does have broad discretion to simply choose not to enforce a ban uh, and allow the drug to remain on the market. So yes or no, as the HHS secretary, do you want the FDA to enforce the Texas ruling if it is upheld in the short term? Uh, yes or no, we want the courts to overturn this reckless decision. 
yes or no, we want yes that women continue to have access to a drug that's proven itself safe. Millions of uh, women have used this drug around, well, they, around the world, six, if, more than 60 countries. But what if they don't act in the interim before you get to that point? I, I, I got to believe that a, an appeals court, the Supreme Court, whatever court has to understand that this ruling by this one judge overturns not just access to mifepristone, but possibly any number of drugs. What if they don't? That's speculation that I think is not worth engaging in. Oh, okay. So it's not worth engaging in. So I, I noticed the thing you didn't say is we will respect the rulings of legally abiding courts. Notice you didn't say that. Kamala Harris, she had to speak out on this one too. She had herself a big weekend. She said it's dangerous precedent for this court to actually have ruled in a way that she doesn't like. The president and I are going to stand with the women of America and do everything we can to ensure that women have the ability to make decisions about their health care, their reproductive health care, in, in a manner that is, is, is what they need, and they decide that, not their government. This is a drug that the FDA approved as safe 20 years ago and has been proven to be safe for 20 years. So this is a dangerous precedent, and I'll have more to say after I review the decision in its entirety. Uh, it's dangerous now. It's dangerous when a court rules the way that she does not particularly like. Okay, so the rule for the left is there's a, a Peruvian general whose name was Oscar Benavides. He had a great quote. Okay, he, he was not a wonderful person. Here was his quote. For my friends, everything. For my enemies, the law. Okay, that, that is the democratic proposal on how we ought to run our country. For my friends, everything. For my enemies, the law. Which is why, presumably, they're now very angry at Clarence Thomas. So there is a report from ProPublica, which is a left-wing outlet, suggesting that Justice Clarence Thomas and his wife, Jenny Thomas, have gone on several luxury trips involving travel subsidized by and stays at properties owned by a GOP megadonor. It was a bombshell ProPublica report, according to CNN. The hospitality was not disclosed on Thomas's public financial filings with the Supreme Court. You know why? Because they just changed the rules like five minutes ago. Until then, taking a flight from a friend was not actually considered a violation of any sort of Supreme Court rules or even requiring of any sort of disclosure. The report of a connection between Thomas and Harlan Crow, he's a conservative business person, is already adding to calls the Congress to investigate potential ethical lapses. Senate Judiciary Committee Dick Durbin, Chair Chairman Dick Durbin, Illinois Democrat, said the ProPublica report was a call to action and the Senate Judiciary Committee will act. And this, of course, has led to AOC claiming that Justice Thomas should be impeached. He should lose his job for taking flights from a friend. By the way, his friend has no cases pending or has had cases in front of the Supreme Court. So the accusation is corruption based on you taking a flight from a friend who has nothing to do with your job is the is the contention by, again, the irrepressibly stupid AOC. Here was Alexander Ocasio-Cortez. I think that his own statement contradicts uh, contradicts many of the facts on the ground and also raises in other ways even more serious questions. Later on in his statement, he stated that the reason and the rationale for this exemption was personal hospitality from an old friend. And he said himself in his statement, a friend of 25 years. Justice Thomas has been on the court for 30 years. And so to say what he is admitting in his statement in an attempt to defend himself is that he began this relationship with a billionaire and receiving these sorts of gifts as after he was appointed to the Supreme Court of the United States. I think that that in and of itself indicates a very, very serious problem. Oh, she, she AOC has so many legs to stand on when it comes to corruption. I mean, it's not as though her campaign was actually alleged to have illegally paid her boyfriend. It was. It's not as though she has, as we've talked about on the show, stiffed a bunch of merchants behind getting a bunch of Met Gala perks, which has led to an ethics committee investigation into AOC. She is pure as the driven snow. She has never taken anything from anyone ever except for the Met Gala dress and all of the services and then paid them late and all of that kind of stuff. You know, that she is, she, she's amazing at this. Well, the media have decided that it's not just enough to go after Thomas because it turns out that Thomas didn't actually do anything wrong. They're going to go after Crow, right? Crow is the, Harlan Crow is, um, is Thomas's friend. And apparently he's a very, very bad man. You're not allowed to be friends with Justice Thomas because apparently they're now accusing him, I'm not kidding you, of being like a Nazi. 
The reason that is because this is what Nazis do. They make friends with, with Clarence Thomas, that Nazis, famous for loving black people, that this is one of the things they're most famous for. So Kevin Cruz, who is just a ridiculous human being, a pseudo academic over Princeton University who has somehow avoided plagiarism charges that have gotten him kicked out of the university. He tweeted out, I've spent decades of my life researching and writing about white supremacists and no, I don't have any paintings or statues of them in my house because that's not something you do with the people you hate. What's he talking about there? Well, apparently Harlan Crow collects basically memorabilia from defunct communist and Nazi states. And he has a garden in which he displays these things to show what the, what the capitalistic free market and Judeo-Christian ethic has overcome. Apparently, this now means you're a fan of these things. So if you own a piece of memorabilia from an evil regime in order to demonstrate to your children so that people remember for the future what that evil regime was, this means you're now a fan of that thing, according to Kevin Cruz. It, it, this, this is the actual thing they're going for. According to the Washingtonian, when Republican megadonor Harlan Crow isn't lavishing Justice Thomas with free trips on his private plane and yacht, he lives a quiet life in Dallas among his historical collections. These collections include Hitler artifacts, two of his paintings of European cityscapes, a signed copy of Mein Kampf, assorted Nazi memorabilia, plus a garden full of statues of the 20th century's worst despots. He said that he's filled his property with these mementos because he hates communism and fascism. Well, I mean, that seems like a reason why you might own this stuff is to remember the things that you hate. That's it. <laughs> but apparently this makes him a Nazi and a, and, a, and a communist, which is weird because I don't remember anybody saying the same thing about, say, Jay Carney. You remember Jay Carney? He was the press secretary for Barack Obama. And you'll recall that in a, in a profile of the White House press secretary's wife, there were, there were pictures inside their home. And in the background of the picture, there were two framed Soviet-era propaganda posters. I guess that means that we can just say that Jay Carney and his wife were actual Soviets because they had, the, I mean, if they didn't love communism, why would they have those posters in their house? Why would they? You know what else that means? That means that Anita Dunn, who is currently going to, she's going to be Joe Biden's campaign manager circa 2024. Uh, I mean, it's not as though she actually cited as one of her favorite political philosophers, Mao Zedong in 2009. This must mean that she loves Mao, obviously. Here she was talking about Mao back from 2009. And then the third lesson and tip actually come from two of my favorite political philosophers, Mao Zedong and Mother Teresa, not often coupled with each other. Chiang Kai-shek and the Nationalist Chinese held the cities. They had the army, they had the air force, they had everything on their side. And people said, how can you win? How can you do this? How can you do this? Against all of the odds against you. And Mao Zedong said, you know, you fight your war and I'll fight mine. And think about that for a second. You don't have to accept the definition of how to do things and you don't have to follow other people's choices and paths. Oh, well, that, that, there she was. That, that, is, that is a person very, very close to Joe Biden who will lead his reelect effort. But that, mean, that means, because she quoted Mao Zedong, that means she loves Mao Zedong. I mean, she literally called him one of her favorite political philosophers. She says she was joking, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether she was joking or not. As we now know, there is no perspective that is required here. She obviously loves Mao, right? That's the way this stupid game works. It is just, again, for my, for my friends, anything, for my enemies, the law. That's the way this works. Or for my friends, a sense of humor, for my enemies, none. Take everything absolutely perfectly seriously. Okay, time for some things I like and then some things that I hate. So things that I like, I have to admit, I cracked up at this tweet from the Canadian Minister of Innovation. So there is a tweet that went out that was a, it was about the, the next moon landing. And it says, for the first time ever, a woman, a person of color, a Canadian will go in deep space and to the moon. Let's celebrate, Canada. So a few things about this. First of all, diversity, equity, and inclusion on the moon. Unless they actually plant a trans pride progress flag on the moon next to the American flag, I feel like this is a failure. That's the only way. The moon is a trans-friendly area. It is because it's really spacey. It's, real, it's a weird place. There's no gravity. That's, but the most important thing, a woman, a person of color. And first of all, I didn't realize that a Canadian is now minority. That's the, I, I really like that. A victimized group of people, the Canadians, did not know that. So well done, Minister of Innovation from, from Canada. Other things that I like today. So I'm not sure how many times our environmental naysayers can be wrong before we just start not 
respecting them anymore. According to the Washington Post, the Great Salt Lake seemed like it was dying, but there has been a miraculous shift. By miraculous, they mean that they just didn't see it coming because they were wrong. That's what a miracle is, apparently. Quote, just three months ago, scientists issued a report with a dire warning. Utah's Great Salt Lake, after decades of drying that had only accelerated in recent years, was on track to disappear in five years. Now a record snowpack, fueled by more than 800 inches of snow during the season in some locations, offers a glimmer of hope for the Western Hemisphere's largest saltwater lake and an important economic driver for the state. The Great Salt Lake reached its record low in November when it dipped to 4,188 feet above sea level, having lost more than 70% of its water since 1850. As of Wednesday, however, the lake had risen three feet in little more than five months, primarily because of snow and rain dumped directly into the lake by a season-long series of winter-loaded storms. Salt Lake City has seen its seventh snowiest season on record and among the most snow of any major U.S. cities with 87 inches. The rising lake level is cause for both celebration and caution. Candace Hasten Yeager, director of the Utah Division of Water Resources, said, while we celebrate our progress, we must continue to prioritize water conservation efforts, etc., etc. This year's snowpack is nothing short of miraculous, says Brigham Young University ecologist Ben Abbott. He was the author of the January report, which warned of widespread air and water pollution, numerous Endangered Species Act listings, and declines in agriculture industry and overall quality of life if the lakes were to vanish. It's miraculous when you just get it wrong. It's not, I got it wrong, oops. It's, ah, uh, a miracle straight from, straight from God. So well done again, environmentalists. You, you got, your, your modeling has been just spot on every area of the way. Okay, time for things that I hate. And the moral relativism of the international media and much of Europe is uh, truly vile, truly vile when it comes to the Middle East. So over the weekend, three members of a family were murdered in a car outside of Efrat. That, that is an area that I've spent a fair bit of time in. It's in the so-called West Bank. It's in Judea and Samaria, about a 15-minute drive outside of Jerusalem. Very Jewish area, but they were on the road. These roads, unfortunately, have become not safe because Palestinian Arab terrorists have been murdering people, literally just shooting people on the roads. And that's precisely what happened to an Israeli family. They are British. They are British citizens. They are dual citizens. The D family. Maya D was 20. Her sister Rina D was 15. And her mom. They were all in the car. And terrorists jumped out in front of the car, and then proceeded to shoot 22 times into the car. The father of the family was in a separate car just ahead and turned back in the wake of the attack. Magen Devaridum, which is the ambulance service in Israel, responded initially to reports of a vehicle collision, but the car was found to be riddled with bullet holes. Both of the young sisters were declared dead at the scene. The critically injured mom lived for another couple of days, and she died on Monday morning slash afternoon over in, in Israel. The Israeli Defense Forces have launched a, a search for the attackers. This has prompted the usual spasm of ecstasy in Palestinian areas where people are handing out candies because this is what you do when civilians are murdered. You hand out candy. It's a, it's a thing that's, that's just wonderful. And, um, and meanwhile, the father gave an amazing speech in which he talked about how it was going to bring the Jewish people together and how it just showed that there needed to be unity in the face of terrorism just horrifying, horrifying stuff. He said, the formula for faith is always to focus on what you do have and not what you do not have. I still have three wonderful children and a wonderful wife. The funeral for his two daughters took place before his wife had died. So first of all, it's hard to imagine anybody having that level of faith where the formula for faith is you lose two daughters and your wife in a terrorist attack and you focus on what you have rather than what you don't. He said, my perfect, beautiful Maya, we named you God's water. You were so many people's friend, flowing between so many different groups. You were always an angel. Now you will be our guardian angel. He said about Rena. He said, you would tidy the youth club for hours by yourself. People loved you and knew they could depend on you. He noted she'd been, consistent, she'd been considering enlisting in the Israeli Defense Forces after she finished high school. He said, Maya and Rena, you're two flames who have not gone out. You'll bring more light to the world. And then he addressed the country at large, because Israel, of course, has been fragmented by politics over judicial reform is why you see hundreds of thousands of people have been protesting in the streets. He said, when a simple family in a fraud is devastated and the whole country hurts, there's no greater proof of unity than this. Now, meanwhile, the world media focused in on a ginned up, a ginned up riot on the Temple Mount. This is something that unfortunately Hamas and the Palestinian Authority do literally every major holiday. They, a bunch of people who are being, being basically paid by Hamas go into the Al-Aqsa Mosque, they block the doors, they barricade them, and then they stockpile a bunch of rocks and start throwing them at Israeli soldiers in an attempt to create violence. And then they play soccer outside. So th- this apparently is the, is the very violent thing that's happening. We literally have video outside the Al-Aqsa Mosque. This is where supposed terrible violence from the Israelis is happening. And you can see children literally playing soccer outside the Al-Aqsa Mosque. This is the holiest site, one of the holiest sites in Islam, supposedly. 
I say supposedly because usually people don't treat their holy sites this particular way. Is playing soccer directly, you know, outside of them. Where Jews, if you walk up there, when I walked up there with Jordan Peterson, there were literal headlines about how we had actually, how we had invaded the Temple Mount. I'll tell you one thing we didn't do. We didn't play soccer up there. That's the thing we didn't do. Meanwhile, an Italian man, just an Im- he wasn't even an immigrant, he was just a tourist in Tel Aviv, was murdered over the weekend also when a Palestinian Arab terrorist drove a car over him, which prompted a terrorist to hand out candy because this is what happened. Any attempt to draw moral equivalency between the two sides here, one side which simply wishes to live in peace and be left alone, and another side which wishes to destroy what is there because there's a religious belief that the state of Israel should not exist, that there should be no Jewish state, that it ought to be pushed into the sea and destroyed. The belief that teenage girls ought to be shot in their cars because they happen to be living in the wrong place is uh, is vile. And naturally, the, the Biden administration and members of the European Union, they put out statements talking about how the temperature needed to be lowered and they had to avoid a cycle of violence. Let me just be clear. It's not a cycle of violence when someone attempts to murder you and then you kill them in self-defense. That's not a cycle of violence. That, that's actual just self-defense. And you know, I'm just going to say here, you know, it is, first of all, to my Christian listeners, happy Easter, because I hope, I hope you had a wonderful Easter over the weekend. To my Jewish listeners, I hope that you're having a wonderful Passover. There is something that we say on Passover in the Haggadah. There's a whole sort of long, it's, 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 it's a, a, a long book that you go through. It's supposed to remember the Exodus. And one of the pieces of that book is the following phraseology. In Hebrew, it says, In English, that means, it is this, meaning the Torah, that is stood by our ancestors and by us, for not only one enemy has risen up, risen up against us to destroy us, but in every generation they rise up to destroy us, but the Holy One, blessed be, he delivers us from their hands. That is still true. It's not just true for Jews. For those who abide by the dictates of traditional morality. There are people who rise up in every generation to destroy us. They will not be victorious. Okay, we're going to continue now with some of your questions in the mailbag. Plus, I got to get into some of the polling data with regard to President Trump. We'll get into that momentarily. Become a member. Use code Shapiro at checkout for two months free on all annual plans. Click the link in the description and join us.